0: So anytime people would try to come in and get too close, I could you know, really kind of, I could answer any question. I could show up in a men's group and you know, I could answer the questions. Everybody would be like, gosh, Kevin's kind of got it figured out. He's mature beyond his years, which is kind of code word for I've convinced a lot of people I've got my crap together, but I really didn't.
1: Welcome to the Empowered Manhood Podcast, where men rediscover courageous masculinity. Pull up a chair as we gain strength from the stories of God working in the lives of ordinary men today. These men have discovered that in a world of superficiality and isolation, we need authentic brotherhood to gain strength for the battles we face every day. Brought to you by the ministry of CLC, which challenges men to an uncommon pursuit of Christ, welcome to Empowered Manhood. Hey guys, welcome back to the Empowered Manhood Podcast. I am your host, Mike Hatch, and I am here with uh, my partner, best-selling Amazon author Chris Bollinger. Now, today, we are interviewing the president of an organization called Radical Mentoring. His name is Kevin Harris. We had a great conversation with Kevin. Of course, he shares his fence post story to start out with, which I strongly recommend you pay close attention to because I think there is some incredible truth that applies broadly to so many of us today. So really grateful for his vulnerability and transparency. Now, Radical Mentoring is a discipleship ministry, very similar to CLC, except they call discipleship radical, well, excuse me, they call discipleship mentoring. And so we talk about what is the difference between mentoring and discipleship. And we look at their, their model for how they accomplish uh, their ministry and getting men and women involved in discipleship relationships. We'll have information about uh, how to get in touch with Kevin and more information about radical mentoring in the show notes below so you can check that out. All right, guys, before we jump into this week's interview, just wanted to say, hey, reach out to me, and you can email me at mhatch at clchq.org. If you have questions about CLC or interested in learning more about how we can come alongside your ministry, your business, your church to help you in your discipleship strategy, I've already had a few people reach out, which has been really exciting. And uh, getting to know some of you who are listeners has been great. Last thing is don't forget that the Better Man uh, conference is happening next Saturday. This The date today that this is uh, posting is September 14th. So next Saturday, September 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is the Better Man event. It is a global men's event that happens locally in Orlando, Florida. And you can find out more at betterman365.com where you can register for the event in person, or you can pay less than $5. I'm not even kidding. It's less than $5 to stream the event as an event for your church, for other guys who you may want to invite just to your home. I did that last year. I invited 10 or 12 guys to watch it in our home. And we had a blast hanging out and then having some meal together and enjoying our time together and talking about the event afterwards. It's a great uh, kickoff to your men's ministry for the fall as well. All right, guys, let's go ahead and dive in now to our interview with Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris, welcome to the Empowered Manhood podcast. We are really grateful to have you, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. It's already been fun.
0: <laughs> that's right. I was going to say this is fun, but just... <laughs> Never
1: mind. We've already, yeah, leading up to this for the first yeah. 15 minutes, we've uh, had all sorts of great, <laughs> cut-up conversation here. and uh, I just hope yeah. we still have
0: something to talk about. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I always wonder that when people say that on the podcast, they, they will often say, yeah, before the recording, we were talking about this. And I think, why didn't you hit the record button then? Why did you yeah, wait till right. now? Anyway, I had the exact needed- same
0: thought. Yeah, I had the exact <laughs> same
1: feeling. So anyway, yeah. So we're excited to get to know you, Kevin. Um, and literally, we're doing that because, uh, admittedly, uh, I am not as uh, studied on radical mentoring the organization that you uh, you work for. And and uh, and to to my detriment, by the way, um, I was rushing around and did not get to put in the work it took to. So I'm literally going to be in a space where some of our listeners are at in terms of learning from you, which, uh, which would be cool. Um, which uh, will also hopefully lead to maybe other conversations in the future. I think uh, as we do that. So, so, okay. Yeah. As you probably know, well, we've talked about this already. You, we start out with your fence post story. And um, for those guys who might be tuning in for the first time, that's just uh, imagine a fence along a property and every vertical post represents a significant moment in your life or a significant person that has contributed to who you are today. And so, yeah, Kevin, um, share with us some, uh, some of your fence posts.
0: Yeah, gosh. Um, so let's, uh, I don't won't rewind the tape to the very beginning, but, um, okay. if I sort of, th- it's funny when I do this, I talk about some significant moments and as you guys know, with that, that, which I love that idea of the fence post narrative, is you can sometimes throw a really significant moment out and then try to brush past it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because you want to kind of honor the time, but which I've, I've gotten pretty good at that. So if I were to kind of put a theme around my fence post narrative, I would say it's from, from the crutch to the cross. Hmm. Um, and I'll tell you sort of where that started for me. It started for me as a, as a 10th grader in Durham, North Carolina, where I grew up. Um, normal family life, parents married together, um, dad sort of late and later in his career. At that moment for me, he, you know, he was in a job he was not suited for. Mm. He had a great mm. career in financial uh, in uh, fundraising and development for universities and other things. Somebody convinced him he should be a financial advisor. He realized he was terrible at asking people for money mm-hmm. um, that he could control. He was better at asking for an institution or for a cause. And so looking back on that, I, I watched my dad uh, mm-hmm. working a job he didn't like, which caused him to disconnect from the family, which caused mm-hmm. him to probably be depressed before depressed was a, was a buzzword we all talked about. Mm. Um, and so as a 10th grader, he left to go interview for a job. And on his way back that same night, he, uh, was killed in a car accident. Mm. Wow. It was a moment of, um, you know, phone rings. My mom comes in and says, Hey, we've got to go to the hospital. Your dad's been in an accident. I walk in thinking, okay, we'll go into the hospital room. We'll check in. We'll see how it's doing." first person we saw at Duke's hospital was the chaplain. Mm -hmm. And I was smart enough to know at that point, that's probably not the first person you want to see when you go into a hospital, you'd rather see a doctor or a nurse or somebody. And so he sort of dropped the bomb at that moment that um, he died quickly, um, probably painless, um, but there was really, you know, there was nothing to to do. And so at that point, my my life shifted from, uh, it it sounds cliche, but, you know, to becoming the man of the house, Mm -hmm. which... As a 15, 16-year-old, you're not emotionally, spiritually, physically prepared for any of that. And so you just build up these walls so that everybody around you wow. thinks, you're, Kevin's okay. Look at him. I mean, he's he's going to speak at our Youth Sunday thing because he's the kid with the story or you mm-hmm. know, he's going to go do whatever. And so the identity for me became um, kind of kid with the story got it together. In the, in the meantime, I was a, I was a mess. I had figured out how to navigate a really messy crowd and a really good crowd, knowing that if one crowd found me with the other one, I could always point to my dad. I always say, you know, mm. my dad died and I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate that. Mm. And that was the crutch. And so for me, the mm. crutch went from a high school student to a college student at Furman university in Greenville, South Carolina, where I met my wife, Susan, um, I still lived in the fraternity space of great group of friends, bad group of friends, navigating those two worlds. Um, I graduate from Furman. I decide that I need to move back home because I'm the man of the house. And so I go back to Durham to live at home to take care of my feel like I needed to take care of my mom. And so I kind of just let that be somewhat of a crutch, really a ceiling for me. You know, the idea of like I can't get beyond this because I I feel this obligation to make sure that um, I'm taking care of my mom or taking care of people around me, um, which just got heavier and heavier and heavier. And so even early in my marriage, it was that same idea of like, no, I'm good. I got this, you know, I'm a, can be as we all can be a little controlling. And so anytime people would try to come in and get too close, I could, you know, really kind of, I could answer any question. I could show up in a men's group and You know, I could answer the questions. Everybody would be like, oh, gosh, Kevin's kind of got it figured out. He's mature beyond his years, which is kind of code word for I've convinced a lot of people I've got my crap together, but I really didn't. Um, And so it's sort of that progressed. I met in 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 2002, I was invited to be a part of a mentoring group by a guy from a guy named Reggie Campbell. Reggie was a total stranger. Um, I had moved to Atlanta. been married for two years at that point. I had a friend of mine who knew Reggie and who uh, sent me this invitation, said, I'm going to invite, I'm going to let this guy know, you might be interested in being in a mentoring group. Mm. Well, for me, you know, being new to Atlanta, newly married, we talked about this a little bit before mentoring for me meant, you know, hey, connect with an older guy who's got more money, got a better story, Mm. um, meet with some other business guys, you know, sort of, network and all that sort of stuff. And, and the email I got from Reggie literally said, write your obituary and send it back to me.
2: Hmm.
0: That was it. That was, So I had to apply to be a part of that group. So either I died in a worthy enough cause or Reggie could hmm. read through the tea leaves and see that there was a total train wreck underneath the surface. And um, so I showed up in early 2002 at Reggie's house and just was blown away by a guy who, He was really the first guy that I watched, um, just truly like love Jesus Mm. and truly want to give everything away. There was no selfish motivation. The first time he prayed, he got on his knees in front of us and was like, this is not a show. He is just, it's, it's him and God together. And, um, Mm. and so I, I watched this and I was totally attracted to it for multiple reasons one he could become a father figure two he had had his stuff together um three there was a genuine authentic faith there that was very attractive to a guy who i was in total performance trap i had this mm-hmm. angst and anger against god of why'd you do this thing for me why'd you take my dad away and so i'm gonna do everything i can to try to work my way into your good graces and mm-hmm. then i would fall apart then i would figure it out again I mean, it was just a I was a mess. And so Reggie was the first guy that not only that I saw live an authentic um, Christian life, but who also was willing to call me out. Mm-hmm. Wasn't willing to settle for the shallow answers of, you know, how's everything? Everything's fine. I was, you know, he was just like, stop, stop it. Can't mm-hmm. do that. Don't, don't, don't be, you can't, you can't be that guy in here around my dining room table. I'm not going to invest my life in you. If you're not going to give back to me what I'm giving, you, which was, mm-hmm. He laid out a story. There was, um, you know, bit poor business decisions. There was a marriage. It was on the rocks. He held nothing back from us. Um, so I journeyed with him through a year. And at the end of that year, I really just met a guy who genuinely wanted to be my friend cared deeply for me, but called me out on some of, some of my bad theology in many ways. Um, <clears throat> I wish I would have listened to everything Reggie said in 2002 and probably would have had a much, It's maybe a much smoother path, but I ended up leaving. Um, I was a young leader at an organization, a company in Atlanta. I was leading our sales department. Things were kind of moving. Career trajectory was uh, up and to the right. Uh, Money was up and to the right. One day I found myself signing the commission checks of our outside sales guys and trying to figure out why their commission checks were 3x, 4x. What mine was as the sales manager and thought, you know what, I'm going to go be an outside sales guy. For all the reasons men do,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I make more money now, my kids are young, I can travel now, you know, I mean, I had you know, all the yeah. decisions, and what ended up happening was um mm-hmm. ultimately i I was nicer to the valet drivers than I was to my wife, I was mm-hmm. nicer to you know my customers than I was to my kids um and we went we ended up at a marriage counselor who's uh has become a really great friend of ours uh named Kathy and she finally looked at me and said Kevin like you think this is a game but you're like you're clinically depressed like mm-hmm. you are on the verge of losing wow. everything that you care about somebody's going to be raising your kids somebody's going to be having sex with your wife you're going to be living in a one bedroom mm-hmm. apartment somewhere you know sending money to And then you're going to be so covered with shame that you're not going to want to go into any of those environments again. I was like, that's
1: That's quite a picture to paint for someone.
0: Yeah. I I mean, thank God that someone is willing to tell the truth. But I've been going to her office with Susan for years, not not faking my way through it, you know, (laughs) struggling with that. But she finally was like, you can't go through this cycle anymore. So I, She set me up with a psychologist, long story, somewhat shorter, Reggie. Again, Reggie's a theme through all of this. He's not, you know, yanking me up. He's challenging me. He's telling me why the job's not the right thing. But as you know, as men, we get into the, we're on the treadmill and we think we're going somewhere and you're in the exact same spot you started. And so I left a psychologist office with a bag of um, antidepressants, Hmm. which I still I still took this morning, full disclosure, um, mm-hmm. went up to a retreat that Reggie had invited me to. And at that retreat, the morning before I left, um, as I was literally getting out of bed, I heard the only time I've ever can say an audible voice of God, Kevin, do you want to get well? And I thought, yeah, wow. I mean, why would I not want to get well? And it was get up and walk. And it took me right back to the story that we all know of um, the guy that was sitting by the side of the pool. Mm -hmm. He was 38. I think I was probably 38. I mean, it was like, Mm. it was my story. Mm. And it was this guy sitting on the side of the pool who just, you know, as you know, couldn't get in there fast enough. First guy in gets healed. He couldn't get in there fast enough when the water stirred. Um, I felt like that was my story. And then it was very crystal clear, just get up and walk. And it was that crutched across transition from, I can't let this, I can't let my dad's death, you know, somewhere now is probably Hmm. 15 years down the road. I can't let that continue to be the thing that just, I just, I couldn't get over. It was the one was keeping me from investing in my marriage, investing in fully in the relationship of my kid. It was keeping me afraid. It was um, riddling me with guilt. It was, you know, Wanting me to be the guy that went out and made all the extra money because I knew when my dad died, he was unhappy. And I thought, gosh, if so I can do that for this window of time. It just it, mm-hmm. and it was just all it was just this anchored crutch that I was limping through life with this feeling. Um, and God healed me at a at a retreat that Reggie invited me to, that I didn't really want to go to anyway, because I mm-hmm. knew I had a, an appointment that Friday morning with a psychologist. But tail between my legs, I went to this retreat called Solely Business in Atlanta. And literally, the guy says, you know, we go around the room. He says, why are you here? And I'm like, my name's Kevin. I just left a psychologist's office. I don't know why I'm here. My marriage is on the rocks. Everything feels like it's about to fall apart. So, you know, I'm here. I'm And and that was at the end of that weekend was when God really just said, step, you know, take a step. I got you. Take another step. I got you. Um, and so from there, you know, I'd love to say I quit my job and everything worked out great. I had to you know, wrap up some, some things, some business things. But Reggie began to approach me now, gosh, probably it would have been eight or nine years ago where he approached me and said, I just got this crazy idea that I feel like um, this has been on my heart and I haven't known how to ask you. I haven't felt like you've been in a position for me to ask you if you'd be willing to consider leaving the comfort of the business space and helping me run this nonprofit ministry. And God began to rewind the tape and go, you know, when you were in high school, you sort of felt a nudge towards ministry. Mm -hmm. When you met Reggie, you selfishly started to pray that Reggie would be the guy that would, you know, be your golden parachute out of this cycle of the business Mm -hmm. world you were in. And in my mind, that was Reggie buying a company that needed a a business marketing sales guy to help him run it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what he needed. And it wasn't exactly the way I would have scripted it. but. It was this idea of like God going, "Hey, I, I've heard those prayers. I, I didn't; those didn't fall on deaf ears. You met. I connected you with Reggie for a reason. Reggie needs you, or I need you. There's men that need to hear your story. Then, but I needed you to experience that story and see the redemption that comes out of a you know a, a broken life, and now be able to kind of join and, and help others with that. And so, long story short." Um, I had about five years in the company with Reggie, kind of walking side by side almost every day. He ended up with a, some health issues, passed away about two and a half years ago. And we've transitioned from um, the, you know, Reggie led, founder led to transition to the board to them asking me to run the ministry kind of full time. And so mm. that's what I do. I run radical mentoring. We connect with churches and with men, and we just want to help them have. Literally, the same experience I have with Reggie. We want to equip mentors with process that will help them engage younger guys who are in certain ages and stages of life. That maybe a season of life behind that mentor and help them understand how do you navigate some of those really ch- challenging decisions that pull at you in a lot of different ways. So man. there is the there's the fence post.
1: Man, so Kevin, that is such a powerful story, man. I. Gosh, do I relate to that and I just know so many other guys oh, will yeah, relate yeah. to that. Exactly. Were, it but what I love about it too is that even even when you were you know as you said crutched across, even with you when you were on the crutches, God was still faithful. He was still uh pursuing you, he was still providing for you, which to me just reminds me of Israel too. You know, Israel who is who is you know, defiant, but God showed himself faithful to them as he freed them from Egypt and then provided for them on their way to yeah. the promised land. Like that, and that, that theme, I think plays out in all our lives to some extent, but what, the way you just told that story is, man, is that uh, compelling? Thank you for yes, sharing.
0: And it is, you know, there's so much of that rearview mirror look where you can kind of start to piece those things together and realize that it was, you know, there's on the surface, you feel isolated, alone, you know, forgotten. And then you look back and you go, oh, no, like you, you had these moments along the way where you prayed for specific things and you needed an answer, you needed an exit, whatever that might be. And, um, and then, but okay. you do realize you're like, no, God was, God was, and is so incredibly faithful that there is not this. You know, we want to kind of go as men specifically, I think we're like, oh, God I forgot me. And we kind of want to build up this angst or anger or frustration about it. And it's like, no, it's just your 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 watch was on a different time schedule than his was, and you you needed to. I had to experience the depression, the fear, the loneliness. I had to experience the challenges of a counselor. I had to have all those moments so that I can now help men sort of understand some of those things and navigate. I don't think I wouldn't be near. I just don't think I would be very effective as effective in what we do every day. If I didn't have those things. Um, and I'm, I didn't like them, but I'm grateful for them.
3: And I appreciate the fact that better. Yeah. You had, uh, you know, not just Reggie and I'm sure there were other people as well, but you 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 had the experience with the counselor. And like Mm -hmm. you said, it was, you don't want to be there. No. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to be there when you're going to counseling, but no. she was, she was very blunt and, and really that's what you needed. Right. I mean, if she yeah. hadn't been so blunt, where would you be today? Right. Because yeah. you, you had, you had sat with Reggie, Reggie had uncovered some things, but then you kind of went back to the performance mode. Yeah. Right. Which I think a lot of us do. And yeah, you had to have somebody call you out and say, yeah, here's where, here's where you're going to end up if you stay on this track. But And she had to
0: paint the picture. I mean, she yep. literally was like, no, you're going to be, you're going to be in some one bedroom apart, yep. you know, going, is, is this the best, is this really the best? I mean, and, and that was, I mean, I, in my mind, I probably would have, I would have and could have thought of, I mean, thought about the exit strategy. Mm-hmm. But when she said, Somebody else is going to raise your kids. Yep. Somebody else is going to sleep with your wife. I'm like, uh-uh.
1: Time yeah.
2: Yep. Mm.
0: Nah, nope. Nope. Not doing it.
1: Well, Kevin, it sounds to me that you are, um, man, God had his hand on you, providing for you, leading you in into this role, and that you would be become the president of uh, Radical Mentoring. It just makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Based on your story and, and, uh, it, it, really does like, um, so I love how God prepared you for that role that you're, you're, you're not only, um, what the spokesman, you're the client yeah. as
0: well. <laughs> That's right. 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 <laughs> That's I'm huge. A um, I've been a men- I've led groups. I sort of, you know, it's, yeah. I've helped churches. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, what, you know, what role do I need to take on this next phone call? I can yeah. help sort of navigate those couple of things depending on whatever whatever role I need to play because I've sort of sat in all the different seats. So. So
1: we were talking a little bit again before the, before we hit record, but we talked about radical mentoring and uh, the difference between mentoring and, and discipleship is, was one question I, I had for you, yeah. but before I even get there, let's, let's get this first. So you have mentoring and then you have radical mentoring. Explain that difference real quick for us. Robert. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For us, you know, I wish I had a copy of it sitting here with me, but uh, radical mentoring is really the idea that um, it's what Jesus did. It was the idea that, you know, Jesus handpicked the guys, that he was going to mentor. Um, he was going to mentor in a group. You know, so often we think mentoring is these one-on-one relationships. Ours is this group model. Um, it was very practical in application. It was this idea of, you know, it was a, it was, you know, go out and do these things and then come back and let's talk about it. Let's debrief. Let's, Mm. let's kind of learn and grow together. It was not teacher centric. It was really was about the group. Um, He modeled prayer. He brought scripture in in front of these guys. You know, it was always sort of pointing back to the, what, what the old Testament had said. Obviously we can't write scripture. Jesus ultimately we had a lot of that. Um, We don't recommend trying to write our own scripture and mentoring groups, but you know, just that the, the radical of the idea is partially, one, Jesus did it, and part of the radical is the um, this idea that it really isn't all that radical, but it's not some mm. unbelievably, you know, Reggie would go like, it's not, I just did what, you know, looking back, he was like, I just did what Jesus did, I, and that's what, when he wrote Mentor Like Jesus, it was this idea of, I'm not a, Reggie, I'm not, Reggie's not a, you know, wasn't some rocket scientist came up with this incredible model, he just did what His heavenly father showed him how to do, and he just began to apply it into, into the realities of the life of the guys around him. And so that was that's part of the radical part of it is really anybody can do it because you got the perfect model for it. Hmm.
1: Okay, so go ahead, Chris. You look like you have a question. Yeah.
3: So, um, Kevin, I first uh, encountered you online, uh, as I encounter many people. and That's I'm encountering you online to today on. too. Yeah. But uh, you you've written a couple of blog posts that really caught my eye. So uh, one of them was in a online publication called Church Answers, and the title is what really caught my eye was how to start or restart men's ministry in your church. Yeah. So can you walk us through kind of the premise of that blog post and why the radical mentoring approach is really very well suited to churches who are trying to get something going for their men, because a lot of churches, you know, they're frustrated. They they've tried something. It just hasn't stuck. The the men are still on the sidelines, which we talk about a lot on this podcast. So, so talk us through that blog post.
0: Yeah. So um, I I sort of, when we encounter a church, um, you talked about it really well, Chris, we, we sort of have them come in either, they've got some fully developed ministry model that, um, you know, somehow they've connected with us and they want to have a conversation, but they sort of come to us going, yeah, we're already doing all this stuff. Help us figure something out. Or you've got the Mm -hmm. church that's, you know, on the other side of it, which is we've tried all these other things, you know, we've done all the, you know, the game dinners and the steak nights and the poker nights. One of my favorites uh, was porn and pancakes was a, uh, church that has a little sun that has a little Saturday morning, uh, pancake breakfast with their men. And they talk about porn. Um, that's not uncomfortable at all. Um, It's alliterative though.
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, it looks good
0: on a t-shirt maybe. Um, so you kind of see it across the board and what we've sort of want these churches to understand and help them understand is first things first. We don't want to replace anything a church is doing. We're, we know, I don't, I never have a conversation with the church and say, look, done it all wrong. What you're doing is wrong. You've got to do mentoring. Mentoring is the thing that's going to, you know, be the difference maker. But what mentoring is proven to do at a lot of churches is help create environments where some of the men you haven't been able to tap into um, are willing to commit as mentors are willing to commit as mentees that they are, you know, sometimes they're on the, either they're on the sidelines because they don't feel like they're qualified enough to teach a group or, um, or you've got younger guys who, you know, kind of quasi get invited to the men's thing, but the men's thing is really this closed group of guys that are 70. You've gotten together every week for the last however many years. And they really don't want to invite anybody else into it. It's sort of this unspoken closed group. It's like the game you used to play when your kids are like, no, game's locked, you know, you have to kick the kid to the other, the other side of the playground. Um, But helping them go, how do you build a, a, an intergenerational ministry that's going to get legs that will help your church continue to grow as your men grow. We all know this, you know, men as the spiritual leaders of the home, as the, as the man goes, the family comes behind it, but churches haven't quite figured out. How do you, how do you help the man go? And so, Getting an older guy who um, is just humble enough to want to share his story helps those guys connect with younger guys. And then they they sort of step into that leadership. And it does new leaders breathe new life into those men, into those men's environments. So we sort of say, you know, 101 is the events, you know, whether 101 being whether it's a specific men event, it's a Sunday morning. 201 is sort of a small group, Sunday school, kind of a next step where you can step into an environment you don't have to be there every week you know you might miss a small group here or there um 301 is sort of that radical mentoring or like even like a kind of like a clc clc kind of an environment where you're you are really asking guys who are willing to take a step and go a little faster you're asking them to really commit to something with the idea being when you leave the 301 It's going to raise the level of the 101s and the 201s. Your small groups get better because now you've had guys experience how to lead well. They're reading books, they're memorizing scripture. That all just pours out into all these other environments and the environment itself for the men. So, oftentimes for the church begins to rise because you've now got this group of guys with a shared experience um, and a community built in. And they just sort of begin to be the next round of leaders. In fact, we've got a church here in um, in Atlanta that we work with. And the the men's pastor said, "Look, if the twenty guys, if 20 guys go through radical mentoring, I'm going to end up with 15 to 16 leaders.
2: Hmm.
0: 15 to hmm. 16 leaders right. who are they going to lead another mentoring group? Maybe not. I don't know. But they're going to lead. They may want to lead in the children's ministry." They may want to lead in a service project or a missions trip. These guys are going to be more well-equipped to just step into different environments and raise the tide of leadership in these other areas. And so that's really what kind of that idea of breathing new life into that men's ministry is really going, how do you just get younger guys engaged, give older guys purpose and connect those two groups together so that everything starts to rise together?
3: Now this may sound really weird, so tell me if this just sounds stupid. Um, but it seems to me that you're almost teaching guys, you know, older guys, younger guys, and you're modeling for these guys how to be relational with other guys in a church. And I, I know it sounds weird, but you know, I've told my Mike, story on this Mike, podcast did really before. you really just say that out loud? Huh? Is that
0: not the <laughs> dumbest thing you've heard all morning,
1: Mike? I,
3: Chris. <laughs> Why do I, why are you even on here? Why am I I, even on here?
1: What's going on?
3: (laughs) I mean, I went through most of my life being in church all the time and really not relating to other guys, Mm -hmm. right? I had to, I had to be taught, well, I had to tear down a bunch of walls. Like you had, you you had Kevin, I had different walls, but you know, I just was not relational with guys. I was afraid to be, I was intimidated by it, but this Mm -hmm. sounds like a really good model for showing guys hey you know it is a little tough yeah you have to be vulnerable but here's the payoff the payoff yeah. to you there's a payoff to the other guys and there's a payoff to everybody because like you said everybody gets stronger families get stronger but yeah i mean that
0: yeah the method to if there's and if there's one thing that i think we have landed on that is has been really impactful is we start every radical mentoring group with a story retreat mm. where we just say, you know, get overnight, get a, do spend a day together or whatever kind of fit we give, you know, we give a couple different varieties of that, but the mentor goes first. And so if the mentor gives this sort of Sunday morning version, right. Kind of <laughs> somewhat cleaned and buttoned up, guess what? These other guys in the group are going to do yep. kind of these clean buttoned up kind of boring stories, but for us, for, I mean, for me, when I walked into Reggie's house and he told us about the night, his wife left and -hmm. said, I'm leaving you with the kids Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to get to know them. And I'll decide if I'm going to come back. Wow. And he talks about going into his backyard and sort of looking up at the stars going, you know, it's me and you God. I don't know if she, if she doesn't come back, it's me and you, if she comes back, It's me and you Mm. and, and how that was this moment in his life of, you know, the, the step to healing was that for him. Well, he tells that story. And, um, in fact, over this past week, that was in 2002, that's 20 years ago. I had lunch with two guys over the last week who were still in that group with me. Mm. So I had a guy in that group who had to be the pallbearer at his dad's funeral Mm. because dad didn't have enough friends to carry his own basket. I had a guy in that group whose dad um, had some issues with uh, homosexuality and how do you, how do you navigate that as a younger guy watching your dad struggle? I had a guy in that group whose um, dad died. He sat with his dad as he died of ALS, which Mm. I I don't have and had firsthand experience, but you know, they say that it's like this journey of your mind is really healthy your your body's falling apart. And he sat with his dad throughout that experience. I was able to share my story of, Um, you know, losing my dad, the stuff we talked about earlier. And so Reggie goes first. We all jump right in at the same pace and transparency that he did. And then what happens is within a couple months, the guys in that group wouldn't let me show up and say, God, Susan's, Susan's not doing that, doing this for, uh, for me. They'd be like, Kevin, this is the second month in a row. You're trying to blame this on Susan. Mm. Don't come back next month with, Mm. That same story. What are you going to go back and do different and come back mm-hmm. and talk to us about it? And so over time, Reggie would just look around and go, All right, what do you guys think? You know, as we're catching up and somebody's sharing a business issue, it was not, mm-hmm. you know, Reggie wasn't opening his Bible and going, You know, according to the, blah, 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 blah. he was like, <laughs> All right, here's where I screwed this whole deal up, guys.
3: Right.
0: Here's where I had found redemption. Here's what the scriptures tell me. What do you think Kevin ought to do? And it was this experience of, these guys know me I mean they know me in a month better than anybody else in my life probably knew me, including my spouse mm. because we Reggie just set up the space and so we tell these mentors don't miss the opportunity to tell your story yeah that, that'll be the thing that disqualifies some mentors because they are just totally uncomfortable with that right and but the ones that get it are the ones that'll just have this burning desire to go I hadn't figured it all out. Here's where I screwed up. Here's where I keep screwing up. Here's where God keeps showing up. Let's figure this out together. And if all we did was teach men how to do these story retreats, mm. it'd be a home run because you're exactly right. The, that accelerates those relationships. Have, we've had guys in our groups report back and say, like within 90 days, these guys in my mentoring group, group know me better than the guys I've met with for the, every week for the last seven years. Right. And that's just because you've got one guy who's a seasoned life or two ahead. who's just willing to bear his all soul included to just try to have a, a desire to not see guys step in the same traps that he stepped in. So it wasn't. It it really wasn't that stupid, Chris. It was actually really smart. Yeah, it's a great question. That.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there,
0: that's yeah, the reason why exactly I have right. Chris
1: along. See, that, that's why he's here. Today. Every
3: now and then, you know, a couple, yeah, right. couple times that's a year, that. I have something valuable.
0: That's right. But you're exactly right. That's that to me. That's the secret sauce. Is helping to understand the transparency and vulnerability that happens.
1: Our, our two organizations, CLC and Radical Mentoring, it's just it's amazing how aligned our hearts are as, as you share that. And you said something I'm going to go back to real quick. And this is going to be something that I, I dwell on myself. And I think that I encourage other men to think about. So we, we've talked about before or w- w- you'll hear people say things like, hey, um, uh, w- write your own tombstone, your own epitaph. Yeah, um, What will you be remembered for? Etc. Here's another one for you: Who will be the pallbearers for your funeral? Mm -hmm. Holy cow! Like that's those uh, to me, those two questions are beautiful um, to think about long term. The impact we might be having, or or do we have relationships? I know so many guys who would say, I mean, I don't know the funeral (laughs) attendants.
0: You know what I mean? I don't know who's gonna. I'll I'll have somebody ask when they get there. You will. Yeah. Yeah. That was the big right. thing. It's like, who, who are the guy who, who you're going to call at 2 a.m.? Right. Who is going to love you enough to maybe not post bail money for you, but he's going to love you enough to come pick you up, talk to you on the phone, get, get right. you the help you need. It's so we, you know, it. Men are isolated today. I mean, yes. if you look at the epidemics facing men, uh, yep. our rate, our living, whatever, our age, age expectancy is down. Our health is down. Suicide is up. All the drug use is all up. you think about some of the stories that you've seen and some of the tragedy that's happened in in our country, it's typically a male. Mm -hmm. And they start to unpack this guy's story and you just start to hear this Mm -hmm. trauma, isolation, alone, friendless picked on about something. And so it's not just the issue that that guy couldn't deal with. It, it's also the issues of the men around them and the boys around them that mm-hmm. just were kind that sort of pushed that on. I mean, we just, so we're, men aren't healthy today. And I think yeah. in turn, it's, it's just playing itself out in all areas of society. So
1: tell us real quick, because what, what, we talked about this before too. I think this is an important uh, distinction to make the difference between mentoring for oh, you yeah. and discipleship.
0: I don't think there's any difference. I think it's just a word. And I think, um, you know, unfortunately um, there's a lot of churchy words out there Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and oftentimes churchy words can be intimidating and, um, you know, make almost make a guy feel like, well, I can't be discipled by Chris because I don't know enough to be discipled by Chris. Or I don't, you know, I can't be in this discipleship group because I don't even know what that even means or looks like. And so there's not a chance I'm going to step into that environment because I can't define real clearly what discipleship means. But if I say, hey, Chris, do you mind mentoring me? You know, there's still some unknowns about that, but Mm -hmm. mentoring contextually makes sense to a lot of guys when Reggie started doing this, he just was a business guy that wasn't doing it through his church. He was just doing it through a network of, of younger guys that had wanted his time and attention, not in an egotistical way, but it was just, you know, they wanted business advice, marriage advice, whatever. So he just said, hey, well, I'm, I'm going to offer my time for you guys to come. Let me mentor you for a year. Okay, fine. i will you know sign up for that. I'm going to, I want to disciple you for a year. I mean, I assume because of who Reggie was, people would have signed up, but it just, I think for a lot of guys, it just feels like a more natural place to step into is, is mentoring. So so mentoring is the same thing.
1: Yeah, no, mentoring is, is very common these days too, especially in professional contexts. It, um, it it is definitely, um, I think a word that people are more acquainted with and and more uh, comfortable with.
0: Yeah, but we'll have we we'll ask a church. Are you, do you are you finding us because you want help with men's ministry? Do you want help with discipleship? Do you want help with leadership development? And discipleship's still kind of the number one um, most clicked on answer when somebody tries to comes in to connect and create an account mm-hmm. with us or kind of figure out who we are. Discipleship's just it's just a it's a it's a word that in the church world is really natural, but. When you're trying to get access to some of those guys on the fringes, mentoring might help you do that better.
3: Now one potential objection from some guys to being a mentor may be that the term mentor implies you're the expert, right? Yeah. And as we all know, <laughs> we may have some experience, but we've all screwed up. Right. Yeah. So how do you overcome that objection or that reluctance in somebody because he feels like, yeah, I'm older, but I've made so many mistakes. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with being positioned as the expert.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's what we, we typically take that approach of your only pre-qualification for this is your story your will, and your willingness to um, share that story openly with a group of guys who are season of life behind you. Okay. and, and, What we're trying to do when we kind of approach a church or a guy with who finds us with the mentoring model is we're trying to kind of go. um, How can we? It's going to sound backwards. How can we discourage as many people Mm -hmm. from wanting to be a part of the process so that you get to the place where you just have got the right guys? Okay. So we, you know, we'll provide a. We provide every. You know, we've got topics and we provide an agenda for a meeting. And there are going to be guys. The first, you know, first couple months, they're trying to follow the three-hour agenda to sort of make sure they cover everything. But once the relationship set in and there's comfort there, mm-hmm. you know, you just know you start on time and you end on time, and what happens in between. So we have, you know, you're going to read this book. You're going to read a book a month. They're designed to not be books that are going to just be you know so spiritually deep and overwhelming that are going to be intimidating. People want to be right. really, really practical. So the guys can kind of go, all right, we're going to give you an assignment. We want you to go home. And for the next 30 days, we want you to call it five feet for five minutes. We want you to walk in the house, stand within five feet of your wife for the first five minutes. You're there. Kids are screaming. Ignore the kids. Dogs barking. Ignore the dog. You're not there to get handsy and physical. You're there to be in her presence for the first five minutes you walk in. And guys will be like, that is really weird. We're like, yeah, it is weird because you haven't done it. <laughs> and then within about 10 to 15 you know, days, the wife's like, all right, this is weird. Yeah.
3: But they come <laughs> back
0: and they we say, yeah. well, we're going to come back and we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's that idea of go do something really practical and then come back and let's debrief. How did, how did you feel? How did your wife feel? Did you notice a difference in your connectivity? Oh, okay. Write a love letter to your wife. And put it in a place where she hasn't, where she'll find it, and you know you're not going to be there. Well, guess what? I have on my calendar. I have a monthly reminder to write a love letter to my wife because I did the assignment in 2002, Mm -hmm. and I've done the assignment with the mentoring groups I've led. I'm not, and guys are like, "Oh my gosh, that's brilliant!" I'm like, "No, it's really not brilliant. It's not really all that creative." We wrote love letters to our wives when we were recording them. And then we think, oh, we're married now. I don't have to do any of this stuff anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Watch what happens when you do. And so it's just, we just try to keep it so practical that, you know, it's it just makes sense for a, you know, there's nothing about the process that's really intimidating because it's really designed to be, and guess what happens to the mentor, by the way, every time he learns, he, you know, the, student no the teacher learns more than the student or whatever right he's, he's gleaning all this from these guys and he's just blown away at the improvement he's making because mm-hmm. you got to up your game you know right to memorize you can't ask these guys to memorize scripture and you don't memorize the scripture right so
1: so can you just explain you you've already touched on some things can you give us this o- an overview of the structure and yeah. because yeah. I, from what i'm gleaning from what you're saying there are monthly three-hour meetings yeah. um there's outside homework Uh, that you do, you bring together that. Yeah. Explain a little bit about that overall structure and strategy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So for us, um, and again, it's just, it still amazes me today when I talk to a church, it's, it's it's the same structure I did in 2002. So Reggie as a very busy business guy, um, trying to, you know, he wanted, he was connecting with men who were busy with young kids. He landed on the, we're going to meet one hard and fast once a month for three hours. That is your commitment. Oh my gosh, how do you, you know, how can you accomplish anything if you don't meet every week? Well, you know, the reality was it just, that there's guys that just can't do that. Can't commit to that. So once a month for three hours was sort of the hard and fast, you know, don't cancel, you know, don't leave your couple's small group. Don't skip your kid's birthday parties. You know, we're going to schedule all this stuff as far in advance as we can at the very beginning so that we know. Once a month for three hours—that's the commitment. You got a story retreat on the front end, and you have a commencement retreat on the back end. So you got a couple overnights, and then in between, there's a—you know—we recommend doing a dinner with your wives and a couple other things along the way. And then we talk about. Then we try to do these topics of—we call it inner man to outer man. So we want men to understand their story. We want men to understand um, how they see God, how God sees them, understand grace, prayer, sort of the some of those core components of our faith. And then we want them to turn outward and think about how do all those things impact my marriage, impact my parenting, impact my marketplace, my ministry in the marketplace, whatever that might be. So we kind of take them on a journey that way. Um, and then each month, we're giving guys a book to read an assignment to do uh scripture to memorize we lay all this out kind of in, in the flow of our website um we give them a, a a growth partner so they'll get together with somebody else in that group once a month so there's a lot of things that happen in between that three-hour session that right. probably equal or exceed what you would have to do if you were meeting every week um, and then they pull come back together and they debrief on what they kind of went through. They reconnect. They go back through the assignments. They talk about what they learned. They go through the scripture. You know, the mentor will go, all right, Mike, tell me, you know, there's a script, there's a keyword with these scriptures. So it's all right, Mike, you go first. Tell me what the scripture was about fear this month. And then you go and you work your way all the way around the table. So you are really kind of holding these guys to, to a lot yeah. of things. And then what we found over time is that every uh, mentor puts their own thumbprint on these on these meetings
2: mm-hmm. some might
0: some may yep. go you know hey we're not just going to memorize a scripture we're going to find a 30-day uh you version bible study and we're going to go through that during the month and that'll just be another thing we do that you know we don't man there's no mandate for us on any of that stuff or we're going to build in three socials or a, you know whatever we think you know church mentors will kind of say hey we're going to do these extra things but that's kind of the rhythm of book, scripture, assignment, prayer, um, growth partner once a month for three hours with a retreat on the front and a retreat on the back. And we make all that available on our website. Um, we give all those resources away as well. So anybody it, can find it at radicalmentoring.com.
1: Yeah. Is there a cost?
0: No, um, it's a terrible business model, um, <laughs> but this isn't a business podcast, so that's fine. So we have prayerfully decided, um, we did this, gosh, probably four or five years ago, that um, radical mentoring will be funded by the men and the churches who've been touched by it. Mm. And God's been incredibly faithful in that. Um, we've got a really solid group of donors that have now, you know, mm. a lot of them are the core based here in Atlanta, but now we've worked in 42 states and 14 countries. And we've mm. seen almost 19,000 people have gone through. The mentoring process is sort of it's been reported back to us um we have a men's ministry model we now have a women's mentoring track as well and so now we've sort of seen the ministry grow we've been able to kind of continue to kind of provide that ministry as as a way to because the last thing you want to do is as you guys know in, in the church world yeah it's, I'm sure you can charge a subscription to something but Our heart has been, it it always could change, but has been, we don't want you to, I know what you're going to experience on the end of this. So I'm going to ask you to pay it forward on the end. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to ask you to invest in something on the front end that may not be worth what you paid for. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's sort of been our model is just to really hold it openly and um, put it in the hands of others. Um, So in fact, cool story just yesterday, I got the cover art of Mentor Like Jesus that is being translated into Arabic. Oh
2: wow. Um,
3: wow!
0: Because there's a guy who lives in Cairo who went through a mentoring group, mm. who runs a leadership training institute in Cairo, and wants to use this as a way to train leaders to go into the into the 14 Middle East and North African nations um, and use mentoring as a model to do that. I can't. Wow. You know, I can't make neither Reggie nor I would have ever dreamed or thought that that would be a thing that would happen. But you've got a guy who had the experience who then takes the experience and carries it with him to Cairo, Egypt, writes down in his journal how he thinks mentoring will be a unique way to help equip disciple makers and in their institutes. So I'm Mm -hmm. probably going to Cairo in November to lead a equipping conference. The goal being Mm -hmm. this is not going to be about, Kevin, I'll go once and then we'll equip their leaders and then they'll, they'll take it into their, out into their, their marketplace. And we'll find donors that'll come in and whose heart will wake up to the reality of, are you kidding me? What I experienced at Reggie's house is now going to be happening in Cairo and Turkey and all these other places. So
1: man, praise God, praise God. Mm -hmm. You know, um, (laughs) I'm,
0: We're coming up against the end of the time,
1: and I cannot believe that we're almost done already. Um, Chris, any, yeah, did you have anything before we uh close up here? I don't think so. No, man,
0: speechless, got him,
1: Kevin. I do,
2: let's
1: do it again,
0: dude. Yes, Yeah. yeah, anytime, let's do it. I
1: think, I think we'll need to set up other times and maybe tackle maybe some specific issues too. Um, but I mean, man, can you imagine
0: if it was the Mike, Chris and Kevin show, what would happen? Oh, That's right. I mean, Kevin. the world would change everything. This would be remarkable. That would be amazing, brother. That would and, be our, amazing. and our parents would listen to it. and uh, <laughs> you know, whatever.
1: That's right. Now, I still remember the first podcast that I hosted, one of the first, uh, we were so excited because we got a, our first review. And then my co-host at the time said, yeah, that's my niece. I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> darn it. I'm <We're laughs> so close. Paid,
0: her, paid her 20 bucks to play something. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Just imagine the fun the three of us would have. Take us on the road. It would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Thanks, mom, for the reviews on this podcast. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah. So, let's, uh, I- I'd love to pray for you, Kevin, but I'm going to switch it up. And Chris, I Ooh. hope you don't mind. Chris, do you mind praying for Kevin? Uh, as we wrap up this,
3: uh, oh, this episode, don't mind. You're either. not going to make
0: me pray for Mike.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, nope. you, you never
3: know. know. <laughs> never know. You
0: guys. Thank you. This has been fun. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris.
3: God, we thank you so much for this time with Kevin. It's just been, it's just been a blast. Uh, we thank you for radical mentoring and, uh, many lives it's touched and, and what you have planned for in the future. We just ask you to continue to bless this ministry, uh, which you are taking around the world now, in addition to taking it around the States and, uh, pray for the guys that have been listening today. God, I just ask that you would move them, move them to overcome their, their fears or their concerns and, uh, to start, to, to reach other men in their church and their surroundings. And, uh, start to overcome those obstacles that they have placed in their own paths. Um, You're there for them, God. We just ask you to, to move them forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Kevin.
0: You got it. Anytime. Thanks, guys.